Well, I'm going to officially kick off the side quest by saying, do you guys remember my 7-Eleven nighttime snack that I would go get sometimes and how I spent a lot of money at 7-Eleven and I was ashamed of it? Yeah. And I stopped doing that at the beginning of the year. <clears throat> and uh, and I didn't ever do it after, like, January 1st. So, since this diabetes stuff has come up, I decided to run through what, like, the worst case scenario was for, like, how many carbs I would ingest if I went to 7-Eleven at night. And this wasn't every <laughs> night. Hmm. But this is this this did happen where I ate all of this in one night, at least once. Bag of baked lays. Full family-sized baked lays. Whoa. 100, a whole bag? Grand, yes, whole bag. I can, oh, I can fuck? chew through an at entire least they're bag baked. of baked lays. 132 grams of carbs. They're not even good. No. <laughs> yeah, size pack, kind of lays. Yeah. Size pack of sweet tarts rope. 120 grams of carbs. That's that's 10, 10 ropes. Uh, one Pepsi throwback, 22 ounce. 77 grams of carbs. Reese's uh, Outrageous Bar. The, the, the peanut butter chocolate bar that has the Reese's pieces in them? Yes. 54 grams. How are you not a list. stoner? What the fuck? And then finally, a bag of, of uh, shelled uh, pistachios. 48 <laughs> grams of carbs. So my midnight snack consisted of 431 carbs. Oh, you had all those is, things in one night? Which is double the daily recommended intake of carbs for a normal human being. Do you want to know what my snack allotment is? Like, I'm allowed 15 grams 15, of carbs yeah, for a snack. Yeah. That's, yeah, 15, yeah. So, so like, I probably have type 2 diabetes, <laughs> and maybe it's retreated a little bit since I stopped doing that. Is the, the wow, sad and crazy thing. I'm impressed. But, yeah, but no, hey, was... if you did it after midnight, it's like it's like a new day. So <laughs> if you're getting <laughs> two days in one shot, but you're beating the clock, you're <laughs> you're really just stretching it across yes, two days. Yes. Yeah, maybe maybe I still averaged out. You know, but no, I, I think uh, the problem is that then in that new day, I would probably have a bagel for breakfast and pizza for dinner or something. Yeah, like that. so right. No, like, I actually did like a like 120 grams of carbs yeah. all on its own. Ugh, crazy. Anyway. Can you imagine the timeline where Alex is a stoner? Oh, Jesus. He'd be He's so the fat. king. He He's be the so king. He's the king. He's like, uh, in this timeline, he's like Neo. Like, he's beginning to believe. <laughs> <laughs> I would just look like Kingpin from fucking the Spider-Man animated movie. Oh, man. You would just All look right. like that galaxy brain. Like, <laughs> you've unlocked your, your final form. <laughs> yeah. I would become, the, the universe would revolve around me. Uh, it's good, but what, yeah, what's, it's most, what's most shocking to me about that story is you were doing that last year. As yeah. a thirty, as a thirty-something, yeah. if you had told me that you did that as like a seventeen-year-old, I'd be like, "Cool, yeah, man, we all did." But yeah, that's quite bad. like the the pandemic gave me a very like something about it gave me a very strong need for a fourth meal, and that hmm. was that was it. Sometimes that's and called depression. Probably, <laughs> yeah, yes, oh, for sure, hundred percent. Everybody was suffering with some form of anxiety or depression mm -hmm. during the summer of twenty. 20 was that when it started yeah yeah uh well it started in like the spring that summer i was talking to my next door neighbor we were just talking to each other over the fence like wilson and tim <laughs> and uh 
I, I was like, yeah, yeah, man, we're just like drinking six days a week now. It's crazy. Like we take Mondays off and because we're just we're at home, basically. And he was like, hey, I bought a thing of tequila from Costco and drank it in two days by myself. And we were both just like talking and then we just stared at each other and both at the exact same, same time we're like, we should slow down. <laughs> he was like, he's like, can we make like a neighbor pack to just like cut our drinking in half? And I was like, a hundred percent, let's do it. Like, this is really bad. <laughs> and the, once we said the words out loud, we realized like, because you weren't a, we're the mental, the, the anxiety and depression aspect of it, but also like couldn't go anywhere. couldn't do anything. And it's like, cool, mm-hmm. I have a beer. And they're like, cool, let's have a cocktail and let's have a bloody Mary. It's only Tuesday, whatever. And yeah, it, it didn't really matter what day of the week it was anymore. No, though. no, it was rough. It so yeah, Alex, don't I definitely don't uh, don't feel bad about that. I mean, no, I mean I, the only thing I feel bad about is that like it that very clearly had terrible effects on my health, and I needed help, and I have fortunately found my way out of it. But you know, it's yeah, yeah. Anyway, Coheed and Cambria. <laughs> we uh we we decided last time to catch up on what we hadn't heard before uh and and i decided to pull nick down with us but then brian has listened to the least amount of coheed out of the all of us here so brian what was your what was your journey through coheed like what did you actually end up listening to and how did you actually like it uh i'm trying to go back to in our conversation throughout the last couple of weeks and see <laughs> our, 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 uh, our discussion notes for. Yeah. So I started with, uh, Oh, let me look this title up because I can't fucking remember it. <laughs> I can't Apollo wait to hear burning star four. <laughs> let me say it. <laughs> There's still half of a title to say after that too. Yeah. So. You're only halfway there, John. <laughs> Please hold. Okay, yes. <laughs> Good Apollo, I'm Burning Star 4, Volume 1, From the Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. Yep. <clears throat> From 2005, apparently. Good place to start. Uh, yeah, Set, I have well, that. Let me, let me just make a note here. That was 17 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, I started, <laughs> I started there because I know I have listened to it before. Yeah. Uh once in a oh, while periodically man. really god he's right yeah that math checks out but so brian like obviously you didn't like it enough to like be a coheed fan right Nah. well the other two albums i have th- that's in my itunes library i probably borrowed it and like ripped it or something i mean or you know obviously i own it of course because it's around a podcast but um <laughs> But then the other one, I think I have like the uh, in keeping secrets, secrets. yeah, three something 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 something. In keeping, keeping secrets, secrets of Silent, Silent Earth three. <sighs> yes. Yeah, I guess that one's shorter, so that's good, <laughs> title wise. Um, and then the other one is the, the one you told me not blade. to listen to. Yeah, I was wrong. Turbine about something. Second stage turbine blade. Wrong. Yes, good. that one. <laughs> um. Well, Did you the, make it through all of them? No, I didn't listen to I, the other two at all, actually. I listened to, like, three songs, I should say, from In Keeping Secrets. But okay, there's but did something you, did you listen wrong to Black with, Rainbow and, like, Ascension I and did. Ascension? Okay. I, I listened to Black Rainbow, and I listened to 
good Apollo, my title's too long, whatever, volume two. And I listened to a little bit of Ascension, I think. Okay. Or most of did it, you, I think. Did you like any of it? <laughs> um, well, my first... Okay, let's start from the beginning here. The uh, <laughs> volume one of the Good Apollo, Apollo. Yep. thing. I listened to that, and I was like, all right. It's, uh, it's definitely kind of what I remember. Um, it's Coheed. <laughs> uh, it, I, I remember it being a little more, I don't know, exciting before, but I guess it's, it, I don't know. It didn't, didn't excite me that much, to be honest. Um, and the vocals are definitely an acquired taste, I would say. Uh, but being someone that like loves Rush and some other bands that have Hell very yeah. acquired taste vocals, <laughs> um, <laughs> man, I love Rush. I, I can handle it, but uh, yeah, but but Claudio is this Claudio, right? Not like yep. Flavio or something. Yeah, Claudio. Yeah, Claudio? yeah okay. Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so that guy, um, he. <sighs> He just does some things that just like irk me sometimes. Like he he gets like really like sing songy. He's kind of like, uh, 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 you know. And I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to <laughs> describe what I'm. It's I'm, funny that you say that though, because that's the kind of shit that I love about his vocals. Oh that's, yeah, absolutely. That's like hundred percent. I love the sing songiness of it. Like, it's weird to me. Like the color before sun, the sun album is so sing songy. Like it, like the whole album is, and it, and that's part of what makes it so great. Like, but yeah, well, it, like that's so funny that you say that. I, I find so that hilarious. That that's the, the hardest part to get used to, in my opinion. Like the interesting thing to me is that Brian came in and was like, "Good Apollo Two is the best that I've listened to so far." And he apparently only listened to the one before that. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I, the, the thing is with me is like good, when Good Apollo 2 came out, it didn't sink its teeth into me and I didn't like it. And I still don't love it after listening to it again. I think Good Apollo 1 and In Keeping Secrets and Second Stage are like very good. And I would call In Keeping Secrets a fucking masterpiece in my opinion. But. And that's the album the, they, as a band, hate the most. Just so oh, yeah, you know. of course they do, because it's probably the poppiest and the most like produced and like you know whatever. Like they they were probably they were under the thumb of their label or whatever more than they ever have been at that point, I guess. Probably. Right. But um, the poppy aspect of their albums is what I like the least. And so yeah, Brian and I are coming to Coheed for the exact opposite things because that's like leaning too much toward emo, and I'm not an emo guy, and I never have been, and I never will be, and I'm also too old for that now. I mean, that's what launched their career. The second stage Turbine Blink came out in, in 2002, and then they hit the festival circuit. I saw them play; they basically played that whole album at Skate and Surf Festival in 2003. Uh, it was awesome. And that's what got me into them because I didn't know I, I I knew about them but didn't really I was like oh it's a it's a band telling a story with their music that's lame like that's how I felt about it at the time <laughs> because I was some stupid hardcore wannabe kid 
and like then I actually started listening to the music and I was like, holy shit, this is some of the most epic shit I've ever heard. Because I went and bought In Keeping Secrets and then went back out and bought Second Stage Turbine Blade the next day because I had to hear all of it. And like, I was obsessed and I'm still obsessed. Like, I th- I think they're one of the most amazing bands and like, they're just, it, they're, it's, they're a band that's built out of some of the most talented musicians that I've ever seen or heard play live and uh, even though their bassist, uh, their original bassist is now in jail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is well, something and I, he also I like read. got cancer, I think, as well, which sucks. But like he he was arrested for uh, armed robbery, I believe, and while he was still in the band as well. But um, yeah, that sucks. It was uh, funny reading the news, the press release about that. It's like he and the band have decided to part ways. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> the decision is amicable. <laughs> we both agree that we yeah. and court ordered. <laughs> yeah, and for everybody who's not familiar, um Coed and Cambria are the main characters in a storyline that Claudio, the lead singer of the band, has been drawing like like writing for years and years and years for a comic book series that he had always planned on doing, uh, called the Armory Wars, and it's just evolved into this much bigger thing. And he actually does have a comic book now that is following the storyline and everything. Um so all of the albums are in some form attached to the storyline, except for the album "The Color Before the Sun," which was it is more more or less about his like he hit a, a a breaking point of like needing to write something other than the story. So he started writing about his life instead and being in like writer's block and stuff like that. And I think "The Color Before the Sun" is probably one of their best albums. Um, if uh, if I have to give them like a peak song, I think the crowing on like in keeping secrets of Silent Earth three is like the most coheed of coheed songs of all time because it's longer than five minutes and it does everything like it it has all of the uh, dynamic uh, yeah. up and downs of like anything you want out of coheed, um, and yeah, I mean like every. I've li- I listened to everything like from start to finish. I've watched four or five full live concerts of them playing entire albums <laughs> at this <laughs> point too. And all of the live concerts that you can find on YouTube are just like if they are any indication as to how talented these guys are. Like I mean they're it's it, they're just unbelievable, um, unbelievable musicians. And uh, yeah, I I just I, there's so many. Like I love the sing-songiness of the albums. I love like every album has its own like vocal trope, like that Claudio has that he does something that kind of carries through the whole album um, repeatedly that he does with his voice, and I really dig that. On top of the whole story, which the story itself is like super convoluted and crazy and just hard to follow at this point, anyways, because I think you don't say it gets to a point where the story is being told through the eyes of the author writing it, but not Claudio because it's being it's like Claudio's writing as a writer, writing this, the story. Like it's the weirdest shit ever. So, and it, so Nick, have you, have you read any of the comics? I have the Amory Wars. I'm reading, I'm rereading the first, I'm reading second. What is essentially second stage turbine blade right now? Okay. In preparation for this, I wanted to get back into it. Hell yeah! <laughs> but I've read, I read uh, the "In Keeping Secrets" bit first. I read that up north once. I was on vacation uh, with my wife's family, and I had it on my iPad. 
And uh, I read that during that trip. And then I don't know if all of Good Apollo Part 1 is in the comics. <clears throat> He's been... I mean, the comics have been around for a, while, a long time, actually. Uh, he, he got them... He started co-writing them with Peter David, who's a really prolific comic book writer. Uh, and they are just... Man, it's just chaos and nonsense. It is ridiculous, <laughs> but kind of fun if you're in the mood for it. Hmm. But it, it, yeah, the the ideas are always really cool, but man, the dialogue is really tough sometimes. Like you read it and you're just like, this is like soap opera. It's like a lot like a soap opera. Like sometimes the dialogue is, and maybe that's what he's going for. And that's like the flavor that he wants the, the work to have. It's... It's so hard to say with anything Coheed because nothing, <clears throat> I shouldn't say nothing, but it rarely feels like there's something is done without intent. Like it always feels like he's thought through what he wants to do with it. And so what you're getting is not the result of like a botched execution, but like rather what he wanted it to be, if that makes any sense. Especially with the comics. Like I remember when I started reading them, I was like, this dialogue's pretty bad and uh, not really into it. And I thought maybe that's kind of a stylistic choice. It might be because he's not, that's not his, really his main trade. It's just something he wanted to do and he's maybe not that great at. So what like you're Jordan, saying is that Nick Pizzolatto should be the head of the Amory Wars adaptation. You know, you could do worse. <laughs> you could do Mark Wahlberg, who was we the one should, who had the rights for yeah. years. We should get, yeah. uh, we should get True Detective through uh, the the Amory Wars through the eyes of True Detective. I think the Amory Wars could be really cool, could be, but it would it would be so different. It would ultimately, I think, be Amory Wars in name only because yeah. to properly adapt it, it would be it would be bad. It would suck. It's just it's too crazy. Like, all my favorite music is the stuff where you don't know you're being fed lore. You just think you're listening to a good song. Yeah. When he goes too overboard with it, like, when the title of the song skips a line and goes down to a second line, I'm like, that's bad. Like, it, it's too much. <laughs> and that's why the new, the three newest singles, I love. I love them so much. It's like my, some of the best Coheed stuff I think I listen to in forever. But the names are short. I don't know that I'm listening to part of a sci-fi epic when I'm listening to the song, but then if I want that, it's there and I can go read about it, but I don't feel like I'm like, this song is called The Willing Well, part four, through the eyes of whoever, <laughs> the servant of the man god, what, you know, and it just goes on and on and on, and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like, some, and sometimes, sometimes that's cool, but I think that like when I got into Coheed early on, uh, that was neat but then when that continued for another decade i was like this is just too much it's like like i like pistachio ice cream because it's unique and it is good and it's great at what it does but i don't want to eat only that and i don't want to shove it into my face like a gallon at a time like it's something that i want to come to when i'm in the mood for it and it hits right but and that's kind of what Coheed is to me. And sometimes it gets a little too, it's a little too much. That's why uh, Color Before the Sun is really refreshing because it is kind of a step away from that, that madness that is the Amory Wars. And I still, I think the other reason I like the new, new stuff is because he's broken away from those main characters. And it's about, it takes place like thousands of years beyond the events of like Turbine Blade and Keeping Secrets and Good Apollo. Like it's, it's, 
past that because also he named the main character claudio man like i can't get down with that mm. that's ridiculous <laughs> to me like the the only surviving child of coheed and cambria and the main character of the amory wars is named claudio and i'm like dude come on he literally sings to himself and part of uh it it's a little self-indulgent for me at times it's like you guys are not selling this for me <laughs> well you know that, when you really a... when you really love something when you really really enjoy something i think you you almost poke more holes into it because you're just a little bit more critical of it because you like it so much yeah no yeah i get that but i mean this just sounds like pure insanity to me and, and not necessarily oh, <laughs> in an enjoyable way but uh i think that if you if you were to sit down and do what you've been doing, like listening to full albums front to back, it's probably overwhelming and not great. But if you like, if you put on like this, the, do you have Spotify or Apple Music or whatever? Not if you, at the moment, but I will again. Soon. Yeah, if you if you picked like so on Spotify, I've been listening to them all on Spotify, uh, and I listened to the entire discography last week to get ready for this. But they have like a comp, like the the best of Coheed or like the greatest. Co- if you put that on and hit play, you probably would rock all the way through and say this is great because they're kind of cherry picking the all the all the main hits and, that, and the stuff that's a little more accessible that's cool and i can try that but that's that's totally against how i like to enjoy music i believe in the full album as the product and and the piece of art that you're experiencing and artists that don't appreciate that get on my nerves to be honest and like well, i think it's like like you like rush a lot i love yeah. rush too but if i'm trying to introduce someone to rush i'm playing them limelight or i'm playing them like spirit of radio or something like that that's going to be accessible and then if they're like oh this is great i want to hear more then you can kind of put on a full album and get to some of the deeper cuts mm-hmm. and, and and kind of grow into it or grow with it uh it's it's a hard sell if you just put on like some i can't even think of like a, a really deep cut rush song but um uh you know what i'm saying though like mm-hmm. it, it's like uh like i was really in a dream theater in high school and I would try to introduce a friend to Dream, 30, Dream Theater, and I'd pick something that was way too, oh, this song's 11 and a half minutes. It's cool. Just listen to it real quick. And, <laughs> and, like, be, and like, between the Barry to me, like, I, w- I was super into them in high school and, and throughout college and still, and I would try to pick a song, and I'm like, well, there's really no good song to get into between the Barry to me if you're not already in that mindset. But you try to find the more accessible stuff. Like if someone was like, Oh, what's this Coheed band about? I'd be like, listen, listen to, listen to Inkeepy secrets and listen to welcome home and start there. Do you think this is cool? And then you can, or a favorite house Atlantic for sure. Like that's always a good gateway one. Uh, and then you get, then you get into the weirder stuff and see if they, if they stick along for the ride. See, like after listening to everything, I think we all kind of felt that you're the black rainbow is pretty not great and john i know you listen to it a third time and you're like well it's you're kind of warming up to it it, but it grows think- it grows on you for sure but you can it is the only album that chris penny had any hand in helping writing as well as uh recorded on for drums he is the drummer from the band dillinger escape plan for those who are not familiar they are a crazy ass like math rock hardcore fucking metal band that like most people listening to this probably don't care for um, but they're one of my favorite bands to see live and they're great. He, he's live. an incredible, he's an incredible drummer and you feel him throughout that entire album. And it is such a dissonant feeling from what the rest of their work is to have someone like that. Cause I think he was 
he was not only like doing the drum beats for uh uh dillinger but he was like programming as well as like like doing a lot of their actual writing too he he went to school for music if i recall correctly so he's he's more than just a drummer but like it shows on that album specifically and he like it's it kind of it would have been interesting to see where it went, where he went with that band, like further with Coheed. Like, I don't really know where it would have gone necessarily, but I would have loved to follow that and see it happen just because, um, I think they would have found more of a groove with him because what he does do is super interesting and awesome, but just in a very different way. And also the production on that album specifically is just not great. Like it has a, you know, Alex, you said it has a bad mix to it. Um, and yeah. like yeah it just there's it has it has a like the best way i can describe it is a dissonance to it like yeah. that doesn't jive with the rest of their catalog and um it it sucks to say that because i do love and appreciate chris penny for what he is and does f- for music but i i do think that it's largely in part like due to him and his involvement they so. don't yeah based on what i know like i was really into dilger back in the day but like now it's it's not something I want to listen to very often, but, um, like I can't, I can't see his style of drumming and writing, like meshing very well with these guys. It doesn't seem like a good fit and you're right. Yeah. Like he's talented in what he does, but Coheed does things differently and I don't, yeah, it, it doesn't make much sense to me. And I did listen to that album once and I do find it probably because, you know, I do listen to stuff like Dillinger or did. And like, I found that album to be fine. The, whatever it's called rainbow one. You're the black rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I definitely agree with the production value. However, I was listening with headphones, so you could actually pick out like the bass lines and stuff. But I they're listen, they're still I hidden like back there more, and yeah. the vocals are a little like kind of muddy. I feel and yeah, it's definitely not the best production. Um, the thing is that I feel like you know, and then the color before the sun aside, because it's not necessarily in the same written in the same way. I'm really curious to understand and there's no way that I'm ever going to understand it, but I feel like from second stage to good Apollo two and then the two Afterman, 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 uh, <laughs> CDs and then the Vaxxas CDs or the first one at least feel pretty of a piece, but there's something about second stage and go to Apollo 1 and Incubing Secrets that just rocket above for me, and I really think it's the nostalgia factor. Yeah, probably. How much yeah. of it is just me feeling super fond of it and like going back to those days of first hearing about Coheed and experiencing this music and being like, he sounds stupid, and then I was like, this is actually pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> like, so so that's the weird thing to me is like I also wonder if I spent more time with No World for Tomorrow or The Afterman or The Vaxis like w- will I grow more of an ap- appreciation for them because I feel like a lot of the elements are there in a lot of those a lot of those albums um but you know it's it's I mean it was nice to go back to these and I'm very interested cuz there's a new album coming out uh in this month uh, towards, I think it's towards the end of May, right, John? Do you remember? Yeah, uh, like May 24th, I think, or something like that. Vax is to, 
whatever it's called, Coheed and Cambria. Access to a window of the waking mind. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm interested to listen to it, but you know, it's it's. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that anything Coheed is going to top those first three for me because of how just the poppiness is great. The one thing that we haven't mentioned yet and that I think we need to mention is that I feel like the best thing that Coheed has written on this side of the 2010s is Jesse's Girl 2. (laughs) (laughs) It's super fucking catchy. It's a lot of fun harkens back to like a favor house atlantic to me and i just feel like it's it's the very poppy coheed that i feel like i mean it's really accessible and you know i apparently like poppy bullshit but it's just i don't know something about it is great and i heard that they were considering making an album full of sequels to other older songs i think it's an amazing idea i think that'd be (laughs) so good and i love what they did with jesse's girl like nick you were like, I hate Jesse's Girl, so I haven't really listened so to it So much. Yet. Yeah. And I told you to listen to it because I'm kind of like, the whole song is kind of about how Jesse's Girl was a stupid song. <laughs> so it's, you know, I think that, stu- that that was really fun to me, and I really enjoy it, and I think it's super catchy, and the super catchy parts of Coheed are the things that really stick in my brain. And so I haven't found a ton of that in this later stuff yet, but maybe I would if I listened to it more. Yeah. It's tough because when he's trying to balance that story, that lore with that flavor of songwriting, sometimes it doesn't really work because the subject matter is so dark. Like when you read those comics and you really see like what's happening during some of those songs, it's like it's nuts. Like it's dark shit. Yeah. Like I just am reading during second stage when Coheed and Cambria murder all of their kids because they think they're preventing the spread of some kind of horrible, like universe ending disease. They literally kill their kids. And yeah. I'm reading it in the comic, like literally the other night. And I was like, this sucks, man. Like this is too much. And like, I don't want to listen to music about this. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's sometimes it's like the more, you know, it can like a favorite house Atlantic is so weird to me because it is such a po- Like that was like on the radio that was on like playlists in college, like at parties. Yeah. And that's, like, the house where, like, the evil wizard warlord of the universe who's committing, like, genocide lives. Like, it doesn't make... It It makes... For, there's such, like, dissonance for me when I think about it that sometimes the poppy stuff is harder for me to enjoy because I'm, like, you're, you're, you're sugarcoating, like, a horrifying story. Do you know what I mean? Even though it's fictional, there's something weird about that. Like, since I read that comic, I was always kind of like, ugh. Like, it, it just kind of freaks me out. And I think about that and, like... I don't know. That's why uh, sometimes for me, almost the ignorance is better when I can just listen to them and not think about what the song is actually about, which is why I like when he kind of dresses it up as just a song and you don't really know the story behind it unless you do that digging. And if you're all into the lore, that's awesome. Like I, I went on the Wikia while I was listening to, excuse me, um, some of these albums and I was reading where the lore's going now with like the Vaxis stuff. And I was like, cool. It's about new people. Like all, all that all the trappings of the previous stuff is gone and that made me more excited. But even like the Afterman stuff is cool because it's like the prequel to everything. It's about uh, Amory himself, who the wars are named after and how he like explored the like secret space in the universe between planets or something. Uh, 
that's what that's all about. And I liked those two albums. I thought those were good. And then when I, I listened to them and then I went and read the story of what exactly is going on and I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. I can see where this is going. But honestly, like my favorite stuff of post like Good Apollo 4 Part 1 has been these these newest like singles. I think they're so good. I love the instrumentation. Uh, I My favorite Coheed is like the really hard, the really hardcore shit. Which is why I think I like In Keeping Secrets. That to me, that is the Coheed song. Like I, I hear that song and I just get pumped, and I think it's just so epic and so heavy and so cool. And uh, and Welcome Home, of course, is another one that just. It's funny that it became such a such a hit because it's a pretty heavy song. It's pretty sweet. And that song live, I saw them live at the Fillmore. Is it the Fillmore now? Is yeah. that what they call it now? It used to be the State. Yep. Yeah. I saw them at the State Theater when they were touring in support of that album because I went to go see Dredge because Dredge was one of the opening mm. bands. But I was like, oh, Coheed's cool, I guess. And I said that they were the headliner. And um, Blood Brothers was there too. And I remember being mad because Dredge, there were four bands. It was Me Without You, who I did not like, then Dredge. And Dredge only played like 25 minutes and I was so mad. John, were we me, there? No. You probably... Not no, this he, show. Hmm. I don't think I've ever seen Coheed play at the Fillmore. I've seen them play at the Royal Oak Music Theater when they did the second stage tour. Yeah, I remember we went to that. Um, I saw them play at Skate and Surf Festival. That's and awesome. And I saw them play... Where else did I see them play? I, th- I want to say it was like the, they... it was whatever. There's a venue in Grand Rapids that I saw them play at once, and I can't remember what no, it's called. We also saw them post in Keeping Secrets, but pre Good Apollo One. Wow, with a band called Three. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. That was at um, maybe that was at the Fillmore, but it may may have been the State Theater still, or it could have been like the Shelter. I don't think it was. It wasn't the shelter. It, it could have been St. Andrews. The shelter's too oh, small. Oh, you know what? I think it was St. Andrews. But Man, see, seeing them at a venue like that is... I don't know if you'd ever do it again. They probably would play like Kobo or some... Or not Kobo, uh, LCA. Because they're a big enough band now, they would probably get like a big giant venue. I don't know they are big enough for that. I think they're still... Like, like when we saw them do uh, Second Stage in its entirety, that was still Royal Oak Music Theater. And that was probably like, what, six years ago, I think? Yeah, hmm. but it was it was sold out. I mean, it sold out pretty quick. It was sold too. out for sure. I th- I think they could book a bigger venue if they wanted to, but probably maybe they like this the medium sized places like St. Yeah. Andrews. That'd be anyway. It was a great concert because they were getting bigger with the release of that album, but they weren't quite like it hadn't hooked yet all the way to where the songs are in like movie trailers and stuff. Uh, but I went to see Dredge. They were great, but they only played like a half hour, and I was so bummed. And I I did not like Me Without You, and I hated Blood Brothers. And Blood Brothers got to play like an hour. And I was like, this is bullshit. But I stuck around because we were there. And Coheed was was the headliner. So I was like, well, this would be cool at least. And when Blood Brothers was done, a ton of people left. And it blew my... <laughs> that melted my brain. I was like, who came for them? And like, I don't... I guess I'm totally crapping on a band that people probably love. But nope, I just... They're was like, awful. They're fucking god awful. I saw them play in like 2002. And I was like, why does anybody listen to this shit? Like, they are fucking terrible. They must have been bad because I saw Dredge and other... Ba- I saw Coheed, even though I wasn't trying to. I never even heard of these fucking Blood Brothers people. 
<laughs> Good. They Keep were, it that way. They're awful. I just <laughs> thought it was noise. And I was like, I'm not into this. But anyway, a ton of people left. And I was like. So I walked up and just got real close to the stage. And I don't remember who I went with. I think my brother might have been there. A couple of my other, I know, I don't really remember who we went with, but we all kind of separated. We weren't all together, which is weird, but I got pretty close and I'm, I believe they opened with Welcome Home mm. and it was so sick just being like, close and just feeling it in your chest and like, it was amazing. And I'm really enjoying most of the set, but then there was a girl that I was talking to at the time and she was like calling me. So I like left or I like went out. And, you know, like at the film where you can go up into like the lobby area, you go up like the tiers and then you're like yeah. outside and that like walk. I was out there talking and then for a while and then I came back in and they had started playing the final cut and it was so sweet. And uh, it, it just was great. It was a great show. Like they were really cool live. And Claudio, I did not understand his hair. I didn't like <laughs> I was like, I'm like, you know, he's a great guitarist and musician when he can play everything perfectly with that in his way. And like just headbanging and just like this. Like it was just ama- it was such a cool visual to see his his head like all backlit because it just was it was nuts it was so cool anyway it was a great show that was the only time I've seen them but it it's it's vivid in my mind this must have been two thousand and five or six <laughs> I, I want to say six yeah because I lived in Royal Oak and I had just moved to Royal Oak in two thousand six uh, it it must have been early two thousand six like spring maybe early summer but it, and it was like my second or third time seeing dredge uh but anyway it was an awesome show and it stands out very vividly in my memory even though it's like you know 15 well more than 15 years on almost coming up on 20 years pretty soon uh yeah they're great and i think that was the perfect album for me to see a lot of live because it, i think it probably is their best even though in keeping secrets is probably my favorite but that's, yeah, my friend Ryan and I, when we were in high school, we wanted to learn, we were learning how to play instruments, learning how to play guitar and drums. He learned, he learned how to, he knew how to, he was a drummer first, then he learned how to play guitar. And we would play, we'd play In Keeping Secrets, the song in its entirety together with two guitars. And then we'd play it again and he would play drums and I would play guitar by myself. <laughs> just back to back with nobody singing it. It's just because it was so, it was such a fun song to play. And it was so cool to play with two guitars. We're like, oh, that's great. But it would sound cooler with drums. Yeah, you're right. Go over there and then we'll play it one more time. Because that well, song is just so sick. And that to so, me, that is like the song. And I remember I, Alex driving back from Willie or uh, Gojo's apartment that one time. And yep. somehow we got on the topic and... Uh, we were, I mean, it was like volume turned up all the way. And I think Willie was in the back seat, like. <laughs> yeah, I think it came up because we were like, this should be a Willie band. Look at all this lore. And like, you know, but it, it, it's so not his thing. But no. Oh, so, it was because of that beer. It was because of the, the beer at, uh, at, yes. the, at the bar. It was yeah, the uh, Bell's. Summer yeah. to some bullshit. I don't remember. Yeah, it was like a na- a title and then a colon and then another title. And I saw it on the menu and I said, "This looks like it should be a Coheed song." <laughs> I like, and I ordered it. Really and I or- it was uh, oh my god, what was it? I had a bottle for a long time. I saved it because it was so funny to me. Uh, uh, anyway, it was really funny. But then we started talking about Coheed, and and Gojo got it right away, and he thought it was funny because he used to always l- make fun of Claudio's voice because we would listen to their albums at my house or my apartment, and he would always like imitate him and make fun of him. And I was like, I get it, but it's also awesome. So what are you gonna do? All right, I have two things. But I- two things. Okay, two things. 
Uh, October 19th, 2004, Coheed and Cambria played Clutch Cargos in Pontiac, Michigan in, for, for their In Keeping Secrets tour. They played with um, Under Oath and Three. So that was a show. That was the first time I saw Coheed yeah, live. We, we saw, think, yeah, we were at yeah. that show. Yeah, I still I think I might still have my hoodie that I got from that. I had all the green and like the keywork in black. Anyway, zip up. Um so yeah. I'm pretty sure I made that hoodie for you. No, no, no. You made a different one for me that had the keywork on the back that I liked a lot more because okay. it didn't look as stupid on the front. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um so yeah, that was the first time that we saw it and it was clutch cargos. Second, I think the thing about Coheed and the thing that's really good about In Keeping Secrets, the album and the song, is that the Coheed typically, for the most part, excepting like A Favor House Atlantic and like maybe Blood Red Summer, that whole album is a bunch of songs that don't follow any traditional song structure for the most part. I mean, there's a few of them in there, but if you think about In Keeping Secrets, it's like there may be a chorus and a verse, but then eventually there's a bridge that takes you in a completely different song. But it weaves together really well, and he has the some of the poppy vocals and the like interesting vocal hooks and things like that to really draw you in. That's like the 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 uh what am I trying to say? The epitome of Coheed is like, hey, the song is seven minutes long. It's got like five different s- structures in it. <laughs> and, but it still has these catchy and poppy things to it. That's the Coheed that I love, and it's really present on In Keeping Secrets. There's some of it on Second Stage. There's some of it on Good Apollo 1, Good Apollo 2's and No. And then I have to listen more to some of the more recent stuff to really figure out where those things are. And I feel like the uh, Rise Naya Nasha song that's on Vaxxas 2 that's forthcoming is the one that hits closest to that to me, and what I think is the epitome of Coheed. And so, if by some miracle you listened to this and you've never heard of Coheed, but that sounds cool to you, check it out. But I don't think anybody who doesn't listen to Coheed listened this far. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you might get somebody who's had a passing interest or who knows, like, the radio hits, but... It is kind of the weird music where you could put it on, I could just put on an album and, and hit play and just kind of let it ride and, you know, you don't have to, don't have to be so attentive with it, but I you mean, can, you can still enjoy it. I made a whole it. playlist of every album in order of like release and just <laughs> started from the beginning and I know way more words to Coheed songs than I even recall remembering. Like I don't, I just was singing along the whole time I'm sitting at work listening to it, like just letting it rip and like singing along and like I'm driving home listening to it and singing along. And I'm just like, man, like every fucking song is so good. Like they're just so, I don't even know. I can't even explain it, man. That was the thing uh, is like, on the last side quest, I kind of shit on second stage a little bit, but then I listened to it again and I was like, I fucking love all of these songs. Why did I shit on that at all? Like I, I, and I think some it's, of it, it has to it, do with the in, point in that comparison to up. in keeping secrets and like good Apollo, it is a weird album. Like it is, it has like when you listen to it, you can totally hear why they got hooked in with the emo crowd to begin with. They signed equal vision <laughs> records, which had some bands like I think Chiodos was on there, which is Screamo and from this state of Michigan as well. And the lead singer is an asshole piece of shit. Um, that's a whole other personal story that I could get into. <laughs> and 
um uh hopes fall i think put a record out on equal vision and bear versus shark who's from ferndale like was also on equal vision and put out like they they were like they got roped in with these bands that like it didn't quite make sense like and it was all because of second stage and then in keeping secrets was also released on equal vision if i'm not mistaken and then they got picked up by columbia uh good apollo Two was produced by Rick Rubin, so that's another Chili Peppers tie-in there. <laughs> but I you. should like it more if that was. If that um, was yeah. yeah. Uh, but they they recorded um, in keeping secrets in, in bo- and I think both Good Apollos at um, shit it, like Applehead Studios in New York, if I recall, which is where a band that I was really into called The Sleeping recorded their albums, and like I just I love the production on those albums. And Second Stage Turbine Blade has a weird production to it, but it's still, it's just, a, it's a weird album. And it totally, I totally listened to it and was like, I get why they were tied in with those bands. Like, I feel, I feel it, like, listening to these songs again. Like, I totally can understand why they got roped in with the emo, screamo crowd. But then, like, when In Keeping Secrets came out, it completely just, like, blew that out of the water. And it was just like, these guys are so much bigger than that bullshit. Like, <laughs> I... Yeah, I I just I, I I love this band. They're so good. They're so good. Nick also brought up how like uh how poor the production is on second stage and even in keeping secrets in some cases. When you listen to something like yeah, uh, a good Apollo 1, like you can tell going from Equal Vision to fucking Columbia or whatever, they they had more money to put towards that kind of stuff. And, but like second stage for me is I think that might be part of why it pales in comparison to me is because I just don't love listening to it as much as I do in Keeping Secrets and Good Apollo. I think those both sound really, really good. Um, and that's part of why, once again, like Black Rainbow didn't quite hit as good. But Yeah. I anyway. really liked, uh, you know, we talked about most of the discography the uh the unheavenly creatures the first vaxus album i thought was really really good i liked that one a lot it i just feels, had to throw that in there it felt like a very like a like a good return to form to yeah me. i do like, not like no world for tomorrow very much unfortunately good apollo part two yeah it feels i was telling alex the other day it feels like a bunch of leftovers from the first album that they just mushed into a second album that's, like the yeah. pieces of chicken nobody wants that they turn into chicken nuggets. <laughs> That's yeah, it's the weird one for me because it like I feel as though Good Apollo 1 is very solid and is very cohesive and Good Apollo 2 does not feel that way to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's it feels very the songs feel out of sync with each other and like it's not really on the same page. But, you know, so, I don't know. We all got to listen to Vaxxas 2, and maybe we can reconvene and have a little more of a focused, coheed discussion than just, hey, here's seven albums, and let's just... <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah. How can you I possibly... I hard, man. Like, yeah, like, me I too. I watch so many live shows online to just be like, oh, man, I just want to watch them play. Like, I just got to see them play. I, like, texted Nick about this on, like, what was it? Probably, like, Monday? Yeah, I think so. And then, like, by Wednesday, you were like, so I've listened to, like, four of these albums, and he was, like, ahead of where I was, and I started two <laughs> weeks ago. And so, I was like, fuck. Like, that's I, a lot I of- went nuts. Yeah, I was, this was an exciting assignment for me, because I, <laughs> I, like, the timing was right. It just sounded good. I was like, yeah, some Coheed sounds great. And, uh, yeah, I just I did the same thing. Started at the beginning and just ripped through and went pretty hardcore for a minute. 
Yeah, man. Beautiful. Yeah, well, they. I do. I. I would love to see them live again sometime. I think that'd be really cool because back then I didn't think about it as much, but now that I listen to these songs, even the ones I don't really like, I'm like, how do they remember how to play all of this? Like when I see like bands like the Foo Fighters, and I hear that like Dave Grohl even admits he's like, yeah, I use a teleprompter because like I can't always remember all my lyrics. Like I have, <laughs> I, sometimes I need a little help, and I'm like. Everlong's basically four chords like that. <laughs> I, I, that's more attainable to me, but I listen to these Coheed songs and I'm like, how do these guys keep all this in? How do they write them? A, it's like the same thing with between the buried and me. Like I, my mind is melted by those guys and I watch videos of them and I listen. The fact that they can replicate this live just absolutely blows my mind. I'm so impressed with it. They can remember how to play all these songs, and like it's it's just amazing. So I'd love to see them now. The last time I saw them was forever ago. I'd love to see them now as these older guys that are even more seasoned musicians, and just and just watch them rock out. It'd be so cool. I wonder yeah. if Claudio uh, just for men's hair or not. I haven't <laughs> seen him in recent years. I think he cut his hair pretty yeah, significantly. They're playing, they're playing the crowfoot in August, so. No shit, really? Yeah, that's a no. small venue. That's a that's good a, venue. That's going to be a great place to see them, really. We should try and get tickets for they that. They have really good we sound should. there. It says the Crowfoot, and uh, they're playing with Dance Gavin Dance and Mothica. Oh, I yeah. No, that's like Dance Gavin Dance is the shit, man. We should try to go. I saw Dredge at the Crowfoot, too. They were awesome. Yeah, that was, was one of the better shows. Show. With Torch. Were you really? Oh, they were so bad. <laughs> oh, man. I bought their album. I thought they were incredible. <laughs> I did not like them. No. Nope. <laughs> They're out there singing songs about fucking saber tooth tigers and shit. Like, that was the I most not, epic yeah. shit, man. I, I drummer, didn't do drummer it for was me. using a bass drum for a floor tom. <laughs> I liked that. was cool. I'm trying to remember who the opening act was before that because I liked them. Uh, uh, it, it was uh, from Monuments to Masses. No. Yes. Really? Yeah. It was from Monuments to Masses, Torch, and Dredge. Okay. That, that was, it, it was, I, I specifically, because I bought the album for, for Monuments to Masses at that show. Yeah, I remember liking them a lot. I didn't like Torch, but I loved, I thought that was a great, that was probably the second best Dredge show I've seen. I saw them at the Magic Stick before that, and uh, that was the first time I saw them at that Magic Stick, and it was just unbelievable. They're so good. And they are supposed to be coming out with a new album, allegedly, this year. The, the rumors are... And the last one was such hot shit on a stick that... Yeah, I think we can uh, all agree with that. Oh, <laughs> fuck me, man. That is, and I tried so hard to go to bat for it, and I was like, I can't. It's just it's just garbage. It's worthless. Uh, but, you know, all the rest I love, so I'm hoping this is a return to form. Hey, uh... That's a band I could do a full season of a podcast yeah, it's on. Yeah, like, let's not go down that road. We gotta wrap this shit. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, end it, we'll, end, we'll end the Coheed conversation on this. When I was at Schoolcraft and I was taking a humanities course there, uh, we had to write a paper at the end of the term, and I wrote a whole paper comparing Coheed and Cambria to a, like being a modern rock opera and comparing it to opera in general. And yeah. the teacher thought it was the most pretentious thing anybody's ever written in his <laughs> class, and he failed me on it. So. so you did it right. <laughs> and and he was so mad at me for using Wikipedia as a source. And I'm like, where else am I supposed to get this fucking information about this band? Like, what the fuck? And like, he, yeah, he, he was, he hated my guts. He thought I was such a pretentious piece of shit. And I was, I wasn't trying to be, I was just, 
You know, he'd get mad at me for like falling asleep in class. And I'm like, dude, it's an 8 a.m. class. And I had to drive here. I had to get up at fucking six o'clock in the morning to like get ready to come out here. Like, <laughs> he gets super pissed at me for shit. Like, he's like, you don't even care about being here. But it's a whole, it's a whole mess. But anyways, needless to say, I didn't pursue that uh, collegiate uh, trajectory. I went a different route. But so, yeah, I think Kohi. that that sounds like a good use of that assignment. Kohi, <laughs> truly, fifty bucks after service fees. If you guys want to go, how much? But uh, fifty. That's not bad. That's pretty fair. What's yeah. the date? August 2nd. Tuesday, August 2nd. Okay. It's got a, the time on it says 5 p.m. That must just be doors. Anyway. Yeah, uh, Brian, it's got to be. How about uh, if we're doing more music, what would you want to do? I think John threw out like Tool. Ooh. Or uh, what was the other one? Deftones. Tool. Yeah. Tool, Deftones, Porcupine Tree. We could do between the berry to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Chase Chase Coheed was between the berry to I me just we... for Brian. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. Well, you can think about it if you want. You should do rush. That could yeah, be rush. That could be very long too. The yeah, side man. quests are supposed to be shorter than the actual episode. I was well, kind of banking on un- it. And- that's until we spin this off into Discog Elysium. Well, that, that's fine. Then I'll show. set aside the appropriate amount of time. Oh, okay. I would love to hear, Alex, you, uh, you're not much of a Rush listener, are you? Um, I listened to like 2112 for a bit. And yes, I'd be interested. It, really. I feel like Getty Lee is an untapped icon for you that you would come to really, really love. Yeah, yeah. as a bass he player, ch- absolutely. He, he kind of checks a lot of boxes and a very high, high ranged uh, singer. <laughs> there's well. a there's a really, really excellent documentary about them on Netflix. Uh, I think it's called Behind the Behind the Lighted Stage or something like that. Mm. It's got a subtitle from one of their songs. Actually, it's really good. Blu-ray, you can borrow it. I, uh, oh, it's re- it's really good. The yeah. the old uh, UPS guy at the shop, his favorite band was Rush, and I I downloaded all of their music and burned it to a CD for him, like in MP3 format, so he could listen to it like while he was driving around. And I've never seen a human being more happy in my entire life. I swear <laughs> to God, he was so pumped. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, Rush is great. All right, well, maybe Rush, or we'll see. If you want to find out, uh, talk Stay to us tuned. on our Discord. By becoming a member via Patreon. Yeah. And, and if you're interested uh, in the comics, if you have an Amazon Comixology subscription, they're all on there. Oh, I think sweet. it's like it's like seven ninety nine a month or something like that. Mm. It's super worth it. It's a great deal. They have tons of great stuff. But the all, all the Amory Wars stuff is on there. Nice. The hardcover is like $230 on Amazon if you want to buy yeah, it. Yeah, that's dumb. Uh, you can pay $8 <laughs> and you can read the whole thing on your iPad or your phone. You so do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nick, thank you for joining. Uh, yeah, thanks, dude. Appreciate. Oh yeah, you thanks for having here. me, guys. It it was fun to go back down the the path of uh, of Coheed and uh, and see what they've been up to. Because man, I I straight up hadn't listened to anything post. Uh, I had listened to uh, the Color Before the Sun. But that was it. Anything post No World for or, uh, or what the fuck's it called No World for Tomorrow? Yeah, I don't even remember Tomorrowland. Yeah. Uh yeah, everything <laughs> post that I hadn't listened to. So this was like first time for me on the Afterman 
and uh, Unheavenly Creatures and Year of the Black Rainbow. So it was it was really cool to be able to catch up and kind of see what they've been doing the last ten years. And I'm I'm excited. May, honestly, it made me more really excited for for the next one that's supposed to come out. Like it, I'm I'm gonna stream that day one for sure. All and right, and we'll maybe we'll, we'll go to this August show. That'd be pretty cool. We'll have to reconvene when Vax mm-hmm. is too. Yeah. yeah, definitely. All right, All right everybody. Should, uh, yeah. Appreciate you coming by, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.